Hi there, Sean here. Before we get into this week's episode, a very quick thank you for listening to The Expansive. Please consider subscribing to the show if you haven't done so already. Simply hit the follow button inside the player you're currently listening on. Doesn't cost you anything, and it's guaranteed to make us smile, which makes your opposable thumbs pretty powerful, if you ask me. If you happen to be listening on Spotify, go ahead and scroll down to the Q&A section and let us know what you thought of the episode. You can also engage with us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and TikTok. Simply search for The Expansive Podcast and follow along. You can also watch this episode on our YouTube channel. All of the links can be found in the show notes. You're about to listen to episode 176 of The Expansive Podcast, hosted by Eric Kruger and John Sonnet. Welcome to the Expansive Podcast, where we explore the frontiers of personal growth, business innovation, and technology. We believe that growth and progress come from expanding our minds, exploring new possibilities, and embracing change. Welcome to this week's Expansive Podcast. I'm always joined by my puffy-faced Eric Kruger (laughs) co-host. What's happening? It's early in a winter morning in Cape Town. Eric arrived online to record this podcast. I did not recognize him. Are you okay, Eric? What's <laughs> happening with that puffy face in the morning? We've never recorded a, a podcast this early. Yeah, I'm only camera ready from about 11 o'clock in the morning. So I'm so uh, sorry. Fact, yeah, the fact that I'm doing this for you so early in the morning, I hope that you appreciate uh, the I do, effort I do. that's going into it. I do, I do, I do. Listen, how's things going for you? Uh, you obviously yeah, very... uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Your hair seems to have settled in place again. So. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm back in Cape Town. My hair is now calm again. It's relaxed. There's no like uh, 48 degrees outside and aircon and inside of 19. Um, so yes, all settled, all good. Cape Town's good. It felt like there was an apocalypse like two, three days ago. There was a storm going on that was just Jeez. next level. Mm. Um, and yeah, another two weeks of South Africa and then that's it. And then off back to overseas and got a very exciting sort of eight months ahead of me. Really yeah, looking forward great. to it. Mm. Um, but yeah, looking forward to this pod. Anything you want to highlight before we jump in into today's pod? You know, I just, Besides I, my I, I, hair, my looks and everything else that's amazing. <laughs> um, do you see this? What is that? Do you know what this is? I, I was just thinking about it. Like, as you said, we're exploring new possibilities. I was like, ah, oh, I've been playing around with this new cool little thing. This is an NFC tag. So like you can buy a whole bunch of NFC tags um, yes. and then you can program them yourself. Yes. And so like yes. I've been playing around with this dude and it's so cool. Like when I do my presentations online, um, I always put my phone onto airplane mode, but with Bluetooth enabled. And yes. now instead of having to go through that entire thing, I can scan this little chip Yeah. and it does that for me. How cool is that? Oh, so you can pre-program that the NFC, the, what the N? NFC. The NFC tag. You, you program the NFC tag or whatever oh, it programs it to put your phone on airplane mode and stick Bluetooth on. Yeah. And so you oh. put it on your desk and now I can just like okay. open my phone over it and then it puts oh. it back into like full uh, connectivity mode. And you can program this to do like anything, like send messages, turn on your lights, play music in the background. And how you just do you have like different it? tags. Um, you have an, an app on your phone that call, oh. it's called NFC Tools. And then just you scan it, it comes up as blank. And then you write a program to the tag. And then whenever you put your phone over it, it then activates whatever thing you want to activate. That's amazing. I, was like, I felt so cool doing this yesterday. And then mm. I was going onto the internet and, and reading about it. And there were guys in like 2011 already busy with this. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> late adopter, very late adopter. Anyway, yeah. 
Very good. I, I, what, what I have we, no idea. Yeah, it's so cool, man. Um, what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about behavior change. And, and mm. for me, it's become quite a big topic because, and I've been speaking to a lot of my friends who have done a lot of self-development work and have really been focused in on sort of, I don't know, their evolution in many ways and find themselves in very tough spots at the moment. Uh, in fact, one of my friends was saying it feels like he's done absolutely no work because he seems like he's gone right back to who he was right before sure. any work was done. And, mm. and he was telling me he ate McDonald's four days in a row and watched Gossip Girl. And this is not this guy. <laughs> this guy's like a this guy's like a, a, a meditator, like you know, like he's pro pro like he's totally focused on on pro evolution. Developer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and we were laughing because he WhatsApped me, he says, John, it got so bad that I was eating McDonald's secretly for four days in a row. <laughs> and I've watched all the gossip girls. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it's going on. So and and you know what's so funny? I find myself in the same scenario is is Sometimes all the work you've done, it's actually irrelevant because you find yourself back in a hole, you find yourself in old behaviors. And I've just been searching and reading on behavior change. And mm. I just wanted to touch on it again because it's just something I think many of us are going through as we get challenged into showing up in new ways as we get challenged with the amount of uncertainty that's out there, as we get challenged with human beings not being part of the future story we're telling ourselves. I mean, one of the, one of the slides I've just put into my talk is um, for the last hundred years or so, what we have had as humanity is four different systems, um, namely fascism, communism, socialism, and liberalism. And each one of them being very, very different from each other but one thing they had in common was the human being was at the center of their movement. Mm. You know, so think of it like communism, socialism, fashion. It was always about the human. Let's make us better. It doesn't matter. Let's kill other people. But the human was still the, the priority. But all four of those systems seem to have not really, you know, gathered the momentum we want them to. And now we find ourselves in a society where human beings are not part of the future's plans. The future is about AI. And mm. all of us are in a panic of how do we show up and allow AI or beg AI for some crumbs mm. as it evolves and becomes super intelligent. And this is a tough thing, right? Because all of a sudden, nobody's saying the human is progressing like this. Nobody's saying this is how we evolve as humans. This is how we change behavior so that AI becomes our friends. Everybody's doom scrolling about AI. And I think it's, it's, it's a tough space that we're all in. Dude. Such a tough space. And I mean, at the end of the day, the foundation of the work that we do, um, both in our personal lives and professionally, has always been about behavior change. And if we want to close the gap between where we are and where we want to be, between the future or, or the, the present we have and the future that we can create, all of that it requires us to be as intentional as possible in how we change that behavior. But as you've mentioned, change is really, really hard. And there are many reasons for that. And something I've obviously has observed is that change is very hard for us as individuals. The moment you go into a team, it gets multiplied. And, and that's why behavior change in teams often fail is because we, we expect change to happen the same way in a team as it would with an individual. And of course, that doesn't happen, you know, because think of the baggage that one person carries and think of the resistance that one person carries 
Now multiply that through a team of five, six, seven, eight people. And somehow we expect them to change in sync at the same time uh, to a new behavior. It, it, it doesn't happen. And that's why most <laughs> of the times we fail. You know, we, we put these big sort of interventions in place and it feels good in the moment. And, you know, because the planning phase always feels great. The planning phase where we go, this is what we're going to change. This is what it's going to look like, blah, blah, blah. Like we lay out the entire plan. And then the moment that change needs to happen, things fall flat. Because you're trying to change not one person, but multiply it through a system. So yeah, I think this is a very relevant topic that uh, is difficult and that, therefore it requires a lot of intention to get right. You know, um, just changing ourselves is an incredibly tough thing to do. And then you want to bring in yeah. an intimate relationship and the baggage from that and then extrapolate it into organizations. So at every level, I think change is hard. And I've yeah. said this many times, uh, neuroscience is now proving that we have between 60 and 70,000 thoughts a day of which 90% are the same as yesterday. And when people initially hear the stat, like I did, it was like a, it was a punch in the gut. But the truth is think about how often we want to not eat sugar or I don't know, stop eating chocolate. Stop, you just don't. <laughs> You mm. quite literally don't. It becomes secretive that you start doing it because you're almost shaming yourself in a way because you now can't stick to the system that or the intention that you had. So for me, it's like we have to rethink how we think about behavior. And this is really where the system of changing behavior, I think, needs to be rethought. It's not about the behavior change, uh, behavior itself, but actually the system that we're going to take to change behavior. And the first thing I want to say is that the toughest thing about wanting to change behavior is an addiction to certainty and perfection that we have, that we say to ourselves, this is what it is, and that's it. And it's almost impossible because we're not linear beings. We're not robots. We're not part of a factory. We are incredibly complex emotional beings with memories, triggers, influences from the environment. And it's just, it's so complex that we mm. don't give ourselves the permission to make mistakes. And I think let's start off there is that we need to unhinge ourselves from the fact that we are perfect. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. The idea that created the idea of perfection comes from a state of abandonment or anxiousness of insecurity to say, I have to be perfect so that when I show up, people can accept me and like me. And that becomes a, a, almost a delusional vision of yourself. And then obviously you don't reach it. So it becomes a shameful cycle of self-abandoning and self mm. like angry with yourself for not being able to do that. Right. So yeah. before we even start with the process, one, Let's make sure we unhinge ourselves from perfection. It just does not exist. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, coming back to your friend from earlier, you go into these bouts where you feel like you're not making the progress you should have been making, or you feel like, like I've been doing all this work for such a long time. Uh, surely I should be like enlightened by now. But then you have like this binge of Gossip Girl and, and hamburgers. To be free from the judgment in that moment is going to be so important because... As you were just saying, the moment you judge that and go, I should be, then what happens? It's like you're just perpetuating that downward spiral because you feel bad. You judge yourself for feeling bad. That creates like, well, why should I even try? You, you just carry on and it goes down and down and down. So I think being able to, as you were saying, let go of that judgment is going to be really important. 
yeah. because life is always fluid. And so the way to actually think about it is that if you have a bout where you are not showing up as your optimal, the work that you've done means that you'll probably pull yourself out of that quicker than before. Whereas mm. if you didn't do that work at all, then mm. that four days might have actually been eight or 12 or, or mm. 16 days. Mm. So yes, you are experiencing a dip, but that dip isn't at the same level as it would have been many, many years ago. Yes. Because the sure. work is still mattered, you know? Of course. So yeah, I like that. Thank you. So I think I think the 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 term I had with a friend of mine in Italy, she was phoning me and she was upset that something had hadn't happened with a passport. And it was funny, you know, I was I was I was driving actually, and I thought to myself, there seems to be an entitlement to a flow state when you've done mm. the work. And you're entitled, like, oh, hang on a second. Why am I being triggered? I've done all this work. I shouldn't be triggered. Or I've been doing all these works. I'm meditating. I'm journaling. I've gone for healing. And now I'm still being triggered. This is unacceptable. And I think it's this level of entitlement, which is, again, connected to this perfection and this idea that things are going to be in a flow state when you've achieved X, Y, and Z. And the level of entitlement that we still carry, that we don't even know we carry at times, you know? This is white privilege male entitlement, um, all of these privileges that are almost not felt by the person in the privilege. This happens everywhere. And uh, it's important for us to become aware of that. So that, that. So let's get busy with the actual system itself. So I have said on this pod a couple of times, and I think you've agreed with me, is that goals as they used to be set, the achievement of those goals at whatever cost I see, I think are almost detrimental and a form of self-abuse because we become so fixated with the physicality of that goal that it just, it doesn't even make the journey fun, to be honest. And you would get to the end of the goal and, and you, you celebrate for a couple of minutes and you move on. So the first thing we have to do is stop setting goals and start setting priorities. And when I say not goals, but priorities, in my mind, what priorities are are emotional states. The goal state or the physical manifestation of what creates that emotional state for me is less important, but still necessary, but less important than the emotional prioritization that you're making. Now, I'll give, I'll give you an example. A lot of the meditations that Dr. Joe puts together, he says that you're actually not looking for abundance. You're looking for freedom. Mm. And you're not looking to achieve that goal. You're actually looking for a sense of relief. And so if you think about the prioritization of what you're trying to achieve in your personal life or in an organizational structure is a flow state, an emotional state of calm, of, of gratitude, of relief, and of freedom. And when I make decisions now, I always check back onto my priorities and say, well, does this fit into John Sane's priorities? And what are my priorities are, is the sense of spontaneity, the sense of freedom, the sense of adventure, the sense of meeting new people, how that happens and where that happens. I'm not that caught up on. I, I mean, I want to be in South America a lot. I want to be in America a lot. I like Europe, but you know, I allow that part of it to bubble and really focus in on the priorities that I have that are linked to emotional states, because ultimately you could be in the holiday that you've dreamt of and you're anxious and frustrated. And then what's the point really, you know? Mm. So that's the first point is setting a clear set of emotional priorities that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. I like that. 
when I talk about the art of recalibration, you know, the uh, the process of recalibration always has three parts to it. You have to know where the destination is, you have to know where you're drifting, and then you have to recalibrate. But that first part is really important because often the destination that we have in mind is a destination set by other people for us. Mm. And we don't realize that we've looked to the people around us, we've seen what they accomplish or what mm. they do or what their goals are, and we just mimic that. We just go, oh, I also want that. And of course, mm. in, the, in the age of social media, uh, that happens so much more. So being clear on what your goal is, is really important because otherwise, obviously you're working towards the wrong thing. And I like what you saying that you filter your goals through your priorities. I was listening to the diary of a CEO. Uh, what's his name? Steve Bartlett. I was listening mm. to him yesterday on a pod and he was saying that often what he does is that there's some engagement that comes up, you know, uh, be it an event or a keynote or whatever that he's been asked for. And because it's at some point in the future, he agrees to it. And then he goes, like, it's future Steve's problem. Like, he'll, like he'll figure mm. that out, you know? And then inevitably, he gets to that moment and he goes, oh, man, like, I, I really didn't actually feel like this. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, the, the mistake that I'm making is that I'm not using my current set of priorities and the, the way that I feel about it today as the measuring stick. So if he had to use his priorities and go, what I really value is, you know, freedom um, or being in a flow state. And will I do that based on that? Will I do this event today or tomorrow or the day after, mm. you know, mm. bring the time gap closer? Um, then he's more likely to agree to things that fit in with his priorities and not, not agree to things that don't fit in with his priorities. Mm. Mm. So, uh, yeah, because I think that's, that happens often as we look far into the future and we go, oh, like, you know, I'll, I'll do this thing at that point in time. I need to get there, not like it. Mm -hmm. So we should we should run those things through our priorities before Filter. we even get yes. to that. Yeah, yes, you make yes. it so much easier for yourself. The second point after setting your priorities is what habits and behaviors allow those priorities to be prioritized, to bubble to the top, to float to the top of being the priority. And again, if I go back to my life is my priorities are that connection, human connection, adventure, freedom. So what does this mean? It means I go out of my way to make dinner plans with some friends. I go out of my way to make sure that I'm spending time with the right people, making the phone calls I need to make. I call friends, I call family, I call whoever I want to, to have that relatedness. And that's a habit that I've put into place um, the second one is obviously meditation because this morning I had the most beautiful, glorious meditation and it was really just such a form of stillness and gratitude. And it was all about love. You know, Dr. Joe did this whole meditation around love and that's a habit. And another habit that I've really picked up on, and we spoke about this on the pod is hydration. I'm, I've got a one and a half liter hydrated water with rehydrate and other stuff inside it. Hydration and, and gut health and meditation and relatability to people and exercise. And these are all high priorities for me. And in order to achieve the priority of freedom and health and relatability, I've put these habits into place. And Shams, mm. my business manager, is very clear on these. And wherever, and wherever I go into the world, there's a reconnaissance of what gyms are close by, what yoga studios are close by. And that's become a habit that we both have now. And it's like, okay, I booked you here, I booked you there. I almost, I landed in Berlin with a workout in three weeks, in three hours time from when I landed. <laughs> and 
that's become a habit. And, and that's mm. a fantastic habit to think about, you know. And I travel now with rehydrate uh, sachets because I know and understand how important it is. Another one that's really, really affected me a lot is the habit of not engaging with dairy and gluten. And I've been doing that for the last four months or so. And I've got to tell you, man, it has been life-changing. And for one plain reason, no inflammation. Mm. I have no inflammation. And you see how puffy your face is? That's inflammation, boy. That's not uh, sleep, huh? I'm just I think kidding. it's all the milk anyway, I'm drinking in my coffee. Yeah, it's all the milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think dairy on the whole is an inflammator, you know? Mm. And cutting that out has just created such a seamless... I said, my body just feels totally different without having that inflammation. And I'm now four or five months into it, it's a different, totally different body, you know? I've even had, to the point I've had to, had all my pants tailored to get smaller. So my waist has uh, shrunk quite a bit. So that's also a, an important habit to have in place as a priority, linking it to your priorities. Mm. Look, I think at the end of the day, you know, we, we all, coming back to what you said earlier, 70, was it 70,000 thoughts a day? Um, 60 to 70, yeah. 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. I think we all realize the importance of habit, but kind of it, st it stops there quite often is that we go, okay, we know all these quotes that say, show me your habits and I'll, like, I'll tell you what your life is. You know, like we, we understand that these are the cornerstones because these are the behaviors that you practice over and over and over. And of course, we know that the things you practice over and over and over accumulates and give you uh, the output of that. So we understand it, but often that's where we stop as we go, yes, behaviors are really important or habits are really important. And then we stop. And the important thing when I listen to the way that you've constructed your habits is that they've flowed through intention. And so what, what happens is that you set the intention of, I want to show up in a, in a healthier way. I want to have these priorities that are important to me. Um, what are the behaviors that are linked to that? And then through the practice of these behaviors over and over and over, they finally become habit because they aren't habit from day one. They become habit over time. But the great thing is that in a way you can kind of step back from the thinking of like, am I doing the things that are moving me forward? Because you've made sure that your habits are intentional enough that they are contributing value to your life every single day. So you don't have to be scrutinizing them over and over and over, which is ultimately the point. Like if things are going to be automated in your life, make sure that the automation is something that is meaningful and valuable to you. Absolutely. Well said, you know, and, and you actually, yeah, you're so right because it's not even a discussion. Our Shams books me into the workout. It's not a discussion yeah. I have uh, rehydrate always in my bag. Like always, that's just what mm. it is. It's not a, it's mm. not, not, I go to a menu and I don't order dairy. That's like, it's, I see something with yogurt. I'm like, I'm not having that. And it's just, mm. it's already a decision that's been made. And it comes back to, have you decided who you want to be? Yeah. And once you've decided who you want to be, the discipline in behavior changes. And so I don't want to be, a, I used to joke with my friend Roy when I was a kid, when we were like in our early 20s, we used to go to gym a lot and, you know, I used to be a bodybuilder. It was all about that. I was from Bedford View, but, and anybody in Johannesburg or South Africa knows Bedford View, you know exactly what that means. Anybody internationally, I know that's absolutely Chinese. But Bedford View is just like gangster area. Everybody's a bodybuilder and thinks they're gangsters. But anyway, that's where I grew up. <laughs> and, um, and I used to joke with Roy, he's like, I'm not becoming a fat topi. And fat topi is a, is a slang word in South African that says uh, a fat uncle. 
like a topi, yeah. like you like this yeah. um, you know? Mm. And uh, I used to say to him, there's no way I'm becoming a fat topi. I mean, when I look at a fat topi, I'm like, no way. That's that's so bad. And I didn't realize that it was just a habit. They've just gotten into bad habits. Mm. And it's just about sticking to a habit that you don't have to grow with a big belly, you know, and yeah. moobs. Mm. Nothing less less <laughs> less attractive than moobs. No offense to anybody with moobs out there. Um, male boobs, if you didn't know what yeah. that means. <laughs> Okay, last piece. So what we've done now is we've set priorities. Who do you want to be? I do it on an emotional level. You do it however you want to do it, but mine is all about emotions. And I imagine in organizations, Eric, it's values, right? You want to you want to bring some sort of values to the surface, whereas all organizations want to make profit, of course. Nothing wrong with profit. We all love profit, but we're also trying to have profit and value. You know, you want to have integrity in making the profit, uh, which is mm. sometimes where people fall short, but either way, Second thing is, what behaviors and habits are you putting into place uh, to bring your priorities to fruition? And then lastly, and I think you've touched on this already, is build a system. Now, the thing here, and this is the big change, is that the thing that you'll be focusing in on is the system, not the priorities and not the habits. It's the system. And the system now is... Every time I wake up, I go straight into meditation. That's just my system now. There's no, there's nothing else to want to discuss about it. And when I go to menu, I know what I need to order. And when I make decisions about where I want to be staying or who I'm going to be engaging with, the system looks after itself. I've not put a system in place. I've, all my people around me know my system. I know my system. My priority and my goal and my actions are about systems, not outcomes. The outcomes and the priorities look after themselves. And I'll give you an example is I'm going to Costa Rica in December and I finish up at one of the events that I'm doing on the 17th of December. And I was thinking to myself, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I'm going to go back to Dubai over that time. And then yesterday I was speaking to my friend Gareth and he was like, why don't you come to Guatemala? And I was like, yeah, I'll definitely come to Guatemala. That's I've been wanting to go to Guatemala. I didn't even think about it. But what I've done is I've created a system of freedom of having relatable discussions with people. I want to spend time in South America and bada bing, bada bang, all of a sudden, mm. I'm now going to Guatemala, which was just, I didn't even plan it. But the system itself took care of that because of the habits and behaviors of chatting to Gareth yesterday and the priorities of freedom and adventure. Look how it all lands up and I didn't even plan the adventure. The adventure found me because of mm. the system that I put into place with Gareth or with myself. Yeah, I love it. You know, ultimately... A system to me is a collection of habits. Um, it is the uh, the knock-on effect that you create. So like, because I do this thing, this thing happens, and this thing happens, and this thing happens. And the best example I can give you of a system, actually, if we tie it back to where we started this conversation around behavior change is very difficult for individuals. It's even harder for teams. The most effective thing that I have done with a team to help them shift behavior, like has not been keynotes, has not been workshops, has been team effectiveness sprints that we've done with the team. And so to give you an idea of like, what does it take to start? And I'm not talking about radical shifts. I'm talking about like small shifts with the team. When we do a team effectiveness sprint, it starts with um, like an involved workshop to decide where do we go. Then for the next five weeks, we sprint on one behavior. So we choose one thing to change. Mm. And for five weeks, we sprint on one behavior. What that entails is every day there's a message that goes out that says, remember, this is the thing that we are trying to change. Mm. Why? Because people forget. We get busy. Like we know in organizations, 
Like you, there are fires burning all the time. So mm. every day there's a reminder that says there's something we want to change. Mm. Every week there's a debrief session for 60 minutes that goes, how did it go? What worked? What didn't work? How do we change this moving forward? And that, so the collection of daily reminders, weekly debriefs, and then monthly check-ins is what ultimately creates that shift over time. Mm. But that's extremely mm. involved. You know, it's a, it's this collection of habits that creates this system of change, but it's not just one or two things. It's like, it's, it's always on. It's like, are we changing? Are we changing? Are we changing? But we get to, uh, we get to change because of the system ultimately at the, end, at the end of the day. It's not just the one habit or the other habit. It's the collection of those habits and the system it creates that facilitates the change. Yeah, exactly. And you're not measuring, you are measuring the outcome, but actually it's the system that you're following and allowing the system yeah. to take you to this, to, to the outcome. That's you know? it, so, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different approach. And, um, and also, you know, when you, when we get off the, the high horse of perfection, um, we able to make mistakes, you know, and that's also something that's happened to me. I think it's cause I'm getting older, more mature. I don't know what it is, but I'm giving myself leeway. You know, I'm mm. like, you know, it's okay, dude. And, and, and it's a piece that, you know, I, I, I don't know if we spoke, I'm sure we did, but this idea that you need to constantly be pushing yourself, um, is really just self-abuse. You know, it's nothing else. It's just that you're not good enough. And mm. that's rubbish. It's just rubbish. And if you are good enough as Rumi and Hafez and Dao De Ching and all these ancient teachers have told us, relax, mm. just relax. Relax, just relax. Stop. What are you? What are you fluttering about? Just like relax. And the Tao Te Ching is this beautiful quote in one of its uh, one of its pieces. It says, "Ambition, the game of the fool." <laughs> it's like a, yeah. just relax, just relax, mm. relax, relax, relax. You know, the world's been happening way mm. before you got here. And so I think as we get older, we start to realize it's these priorities of emotions that we need to be striving for over anything else. Mm. And it's the behaviors that allow us to achieve these emotional states. And it's okay if we don't continuously have them. It's impossible mm. for them to be in a continuous state. And the system that we have around relatability, around health, around self-love, self-acceptance, just becomes such a big priority and a softening to the way we show up for ourselves and the people around us. It's, um, it's a process. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, thank you for bringing the topic to the pod today. I think it's um, it's something we need to be continuously talking about because behavior change, as we've said now a few times, is really hard, but it's still the most important thing that you can engage in, uh, whether that be for your own personal development and reaching your own full potential, whatever that might be, whether that's just showing up in a better way for your partners, for your kids, for the teams that you lead, uh, or whether that's trying to be relevant in a world that's changing rapidly. And I, I mean, you know, we don't fear manga on this pod because this pod is about being expansive and, and without yeah. limits. But but I listened to, to some conversations about guys in, um, you know, in Silicon Valley who talk about AI. And we are in for a hell of a ride, like a hell of a ride. I, I, I can't even, we can't even imagine where this is going. You know, I, I, I was looking at some of this tech where, you like put a photo of you into it and then it creates videos of you talking just based off of like a few photos. 
And it's already so realistic. And this is version one. And, and I want you to always remember this if you're listening to the pod. Like what we are seeing today is like the worst AI is ever going to be. And so if this is version one, what does version five and 10 look like five years into the future? It's going to be mind-blowing. And so the only way that we're going to be ready for whatever is going to happen around the corner is to just always be as open and as um, effortlessly moving into change as possible. And so behavior change should be a skill that you should be good at because it's going to be very, very much required as we move forward. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a nice ending, eh? So we all, <laughs> so it's dead. We're dying, right? Is that what you're saying? We give up now and uh, just go drink that margarita. It's uh, nine o'clock in the morning. We're recording this podcast. Just go do it. You can do it. You can do it. You mean I wasn't leaving the, the pot on a beat? Yeah. Well, that's no? a that nice upbeat. Uh, guys, AI, AI is, is coming to everyone. eat us. Yes. It's yeah. going to kill all of us. And uh, good luck. Good luck out there. Uh, well, look, this is why we need courage to move into yeah. the future. And uh, courage is the rage of the heart. Um, and you need to rage from the heart, you know. Um, did, were you telling me or courage c comes from the French cour, uh, which it means heart. And courage is the rage of the heart, courage. Mm. Mm. And you got to let your heart rage because I think by us prioritizing our hearts and making decisions, we access new types of creativity. And I think AI is replacing everything our intelligent mind could think of and do times a million. And so it means that we have to become new types of humans. That's all it means. Mm. And we don't know what that looks like. We just know that it might not be possible through the brain. It might need to go through the heart and develop a new type of currency, an emotional currency, and uh, something we still have to explore that many people don't understand, including myself. But we do know that the IQ world is uh, almost at an end mm. for us to be competing against. So yeah, it, look, it's both well, exciting and terrifying, yeah. which I think is what the future always holds. Yeah, no, I'm not going to add anything because we're going to end this pod on a very upbeat note, and I like that. <laughs> I'm, trying to, we, I'm, <laughs> trying, I'm trying to, like, push it this us, way, this us way. Back this out. way. <laughs> dig us back out. Dig us back out. Anyway, well, if you're rage still alive the at the end rage of this of the pod, heart. yeah, rage, rage of the go. heart, rage of the heart. Let's go. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this pod again this week. Uh, it's always fantastic uh, chatting to you, Eric, and uh, having everybody listen in. Um, again, I was at an event the other day and somebody came up to me and started quoting the pod to me. And I was like, wow, Love it's it. like, well, it's so fantastic. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. If you think this pod is great, please do share it with somebody. Good luck out there. It's not an easy time. Everybody's taking strain. I always feel good when I'm at a Dr. Joe event and he says two or three times a day, sometimes I have to stop meetings and go and meditate because I've lost my centered heart, heart focus. And I'm like, oh, you know, all of us are in the process of losing it mm. and finding it again, losing it and finding it again. So sending you all big hugs out there and until next week, stay expansive. <laughs>